The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM, featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Coach, what's going on? Not much, Daryl. Hey, well, it's a whole lot going on in the world of sports. You know, one of the things that just touched me, um, I guess, in a, in a terrible way this week, when I heard this coach, Kevin Stalling, um, I guess he didn't know that he was still being recorded after a game where he made one of his players go over and uh, apologize for cl- uh, slapping hands in the face of, a, of his opponent after during the um the handshaking after a game. Uh, I think it was just way too many F-bombs drop coach, and it was way, way out of line for him to tell a, a, a 18 or 19-year-old that I'll F and kill you. Uh, I just think that's – and then, then on top of all of that, uh, this coach was not suspended for any games, um, nor was he fired. I just can't – I can't see that happening. Well – you know, um, I'm afraid, Daryl, he falls in that category of the Bobby Knight eras. He's been there 16 years, and a lot of times you get passes you shouldn't get. Uh, what he did was inappropriate. He did apologize. I'm not sure that uh, he supposedly apologized to the kid right after it happened. Uh, the kid acted inappropriately, and then the coach uh, did also. Well, you know, Coach, um, we have a tendency to give kids a pass for acting inappropriately, but we've seen people in the past, uh, adults, um, lose their livelihood, um, at least suspended for games at a time, um, for saying things that are that are inappropriate. Um, and, you know, just a couple of days ago, uh, Rondo had an argument with his coach during a game, two grown grown men. Uh, just an argument, and uh, he was suspended for a game. Where here, here, this coach actually tells a 19-year-old, "I will f and kill you," um, and and doesn't receive any punishment. Come on, I, I think I think what kind of message are we sending? And I understand that um, you know he, while he's been at Vanderbilt, he he's done some great things for the program. Um, you know they've they've. I think they've been to the Sweet 16. Um, uh, in 2010, he was a SEC Coach of the Year, you know. But when you say something like that, um, as a matter of fact, Coach, if he said something like that 
to someone on the street for maybe stepping on his new shoes, he could possibly be arrested. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, Daryl. It was inappropriate. I don't know that uh, that you have that you can you know can um, you know definitely uh, give him a pass on it, but. His body of work does seem to be pretty good when you read uh, his other things he's done for the young men in the program. Coach, I, I understand all of those things, but um, when you when you step on the boundaries of um, of of possibly um, telling someone you'll kill them, uh, I don't. I, I can't. I can't think too much about what you've done in the past. Now I have to judge you from, from what, what just came out of your mouth. And, you know, um, and, and at the same time, Coach, if he said this, if he typed these same words over the Internet in a, in a text message or, or on Facebook or either one, any, any one of these other um, um, sites, someone might be knocking on his door. And, oh, yeah. and here he is caught on tape in a fit of anger. And we, we, we're talking about Kevin Starling, um, the Vanderbilt coach, you know, and his tirade of a, of, of a young man on his team. It, 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 we're talking about – I'm talking about uh, him saying he'd, he'd effing kill this young man. It's almost to the point where um, he's – he, he, he says the F-bomb so many times during this tirade of him walking this kid back to the locker room and ESPN catches all of this on, on tape. He drops the F-bomb so many times, Coach. They're blinking out him talking more than, they're, more than the words are coming out of his mouth. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right, uh, Daryl. You know, I, I think that... Uh, the hypocrisy was that the guy first in his interview was talking about they don't allow kids to be un do unsportsmanlike things. So, uh, but to me, that's the, the height of, you know, saying, you know, you're going to say stuff like that. You're going to get mad at this 19-year-old. You're 50-something. And you're acting worse. Oh, without a doubt, he's acting worse. And um, and, and the, the, the part... That, that I guess when, when I think about this kind of stuff, Coach, you know, um, last week we had um, Curtis Miranda on our show um, representing African history, and uh, he talked about some of the tribulations he's had to deal with um, growing up in the 60s and the 50s in Florida and in America. And yeah. I'm telling you right now, Coach, if this had been um, uh, John Thompson III saying something like this to any one of his players, I just can't see Georgetown um, saying, saying, okay, we're going to give you a pass, coach. You won't be suspended for any time. You will not be uh, reprimanded. Maybe we're giving, you, we're giving you a verbal reprimand. I think it would be an outcry. But I think because it is, we still we still have some of this deep south rooted situations that go on. That I think this is another one of them that's probably going to get a pass and probably will not be recognized in a in a in the way that um, way that it should. You know, um, 
basketball coaches have gotten <clears throat> excuse me basketball coaches have gotten in trouble for for throwing balls and hitting kids and we call that physical abuse well this is one of, this is the same kind of abuse coach it's just it's not physical it's it's more of an emotional or or um you know when you when you tell somebody you're f and kill them that's almost like you want to let them know that i have so much control over you that uh, I can make you disappear tomorrow. And basically what he's saying is I can make, make you, you won't be at Vanderbilt. You'll be somewhere else. You know, and it's, it's, it's terrible to see a, a grown, an adult um, threaten a, a, a young man like this. No, I agree. Yeah. And, um, and I, I just think something should be done. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe I need to do something. I need to send my email to make my conscience feel better. So tomorrow, Vanderbilt University, expect my email, if, uh, if nothing else. Coach, I don't, Coach, I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm gonna at least send them an email tomorrow for my, and, uh, and uh, so they can recognize my protest for this situation. Well, good, Coach. That's how, uh, how things could change. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we can move on, and I guess I, I need to get off of that soapbox on this dude, Kevin Stalling, <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's he's really, um, yeah, I, I just don't like to see people get away with stuff like that, and and and, and I'm sure that um, it's it's things, some things are going to happen, uh, something is going to happen, so you know, some someone will protest enough that something will happen. Hey, but coach, there's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL. You know, there's a there's a story out now that um that Des Bryant. Uh, it's probably going to get tagged with the franchise tag for the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> and that may leave um, Demar. And they're thinking that Demarco Murray may be on the free agent market. And what do you think about that? Well, Coach, one of the uh, things is that uh, you know this is called franchise tag Monday, and uh, Des Bryant did get tan- franchise tag. He uh, and and their thinking, I think, is that. He's the best receiver in the NFL. They feel like, uh, you know, since he came out in 10, uh, the 10 draft, uh, he's gotten over 5,000 yards. I think it's like 43 touchdowns. Uh, he's number one in those two aspects in the last, since 2010. And he's third in number of receptions. So they didn't feel like that they could afford to lose him. And, uh, of course, it only briefly ties him for another year. And their thinking, I think, is that DeMarco Murray had a great year, but this line is the one that is, has made it possible. I and mean, you're being an old running back, you know, he adds something to the fray. But uh, And they're still trying to work out a deal. But uh, I think they think that uh, – it would have been harder to replace Bryant than it would uh, DeMarco. Well, um, and you know, and you being an old old line coach, I know where your heart lays, and uh, I know you you you're thinking like the Dallas Cowboys that uh, DeMarco Murray is the next man up, um, and maybe that might be the case because a lot of people thought that. Anybody could run by behind the line that Emmitt Smith ran behind. I don't know if this line that the Cowboys are working with now is the same, but I, I, I would I would agree with you that um, Demarco Murray is more um, expendable than Dez Bryant. Um, Dez Bryant brings brings so much to the table as far as spreading the field, um, double coverage, 
I mean, you just can't put one man on him. On him, he, he really is a beast. Over, you know, I mean, uh, he causes a double team just about every play, uh, and so in that respect alone, uh, he's definitely adding to the offense. And the other thing, Daryl, is that uh, on one of the talk shows today, they talked about uh, the bus was on, and he said that he saw some of those holes DeMarco had that. He did, even in his old legs, he might have made some pretty good yardage. And that was kind of nice. You know, when you have a running back that's a Hall of Famer saying that, you know, you think, you know, uh, and he said he, he gave DeMarco all the credit in the world. He thinks he turned five-yard plays into 15-yard plays. But uh, if you don't get hit for the first five yards, you've got a pretty good chance of being – uh, pretty successful in the uh, NFL. Well, I I would agree with that. And I, a couple of times that DeMarco Murray didn't get hit until safeties actually had to tackle him. And, um, you know, and there's a, there's also a big story out now that uh, Adrian Peterson is, is possibly wanting to um, go and play for the Dallas Cowboys, that being his favorite team as, as a young man growing up. And, you know, it was a, a story that came out last year that um, – that um, Jerry Jones had a little bit of tampering with Adrian Peterson. They didn't call it tampering. They just say they met at a football camp or something, and they talked, and Adrian Peterson was telling him that, uh, hey, you know, I've always wanted to play for the Cowboys. Well, um, now that story is, has taken roots, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's becoming bigger and bigger, and we keep hearing whispers of Adrian Peterson possibly leaving the, the – um, the Minnesota Vikings, and going and playing for the Cowboys. Now, this all could be a ploy to um, make more money for Adrian Peterson. Um, who knows? And, Coach, you know, uh, uh, the franchise tag, uh, if our guest comes on tonight, I'd like to ask him about it. The franchise tag is is kind of a way that the, the league got around free agency. You know, I, I don't know if that's fair or not to the players, but um, I know that uh, over a period of time, some guys have definitely uh, been um, overlooked and overshadowed because they were franchise tag. Well, yeah, in, in some cases, uh, the franchise tag is is more than they're they're going to be making in the in the upcoming contract, but. I, I really think that um, the Cowboys seem to think that Adrian Peterson, uh, not Adrian Peterson, but uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, not necessarily as expendable, but they think that um, they can put someone else in that position and and get where they're going, or get where they're trying to get to. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure they're not right because you and I both didn't feel like at the beginning of the season, I think, if I remember correctly, I know I didn't think. Uh, the Cowboys were going to be as good as they end up being. Uh, DeMarco Murrow had a lot to do with that, and he had a lot to do with uh, the success they had, uh, but not so any more so or even as much maybe as Des Bryant. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, um, I think Des Bryant is um, – his his behavior and his attitude is, has, has changed in a – in a very positive way, 
Um, you know, some crazy stories out there now by him and some kind of domestic violence, but there is no police report, and the police report doesn't show where he was involved in anything. But I think he's really kept his nose clean, and uh, and I think he's um he's he's shown shown some maturity that's um that's gonna that's gonna help him in in his negotiations with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely, uh, Daryl. I think that uh, he's shown that he's grown into a pretty solid league player. Yeah. Well, hey, um, Coach, we have um, Greg Ricosi on the line. Uh, Greg, what's happening? Daryl, good to hear from you. Hey, man, it's always good to hear from you, man. You put a big smile on my face. Hey, um, Coach, we got Greg Ricosi on the line. Greg is a 1987 NFL draftee, the 32nd player overall pick by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Greg, you would have been a first-round pick if the, if the draft was held now. Hey. That's more money for me, wouldn't it have been? Man, that, that goodness, been nice, man. Huh? you could have retired the day you signed your contract. You probably wouldn't even <laughs> have to play. Just get to sign a bonus and, and go home. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be feeling the way I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that's right. Uh, hey, but, uh, hey uh, Greg, we got to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about this whole draft situation, how you felt the day of your NFL draft experience, um, where did your millions go from the NFL draft, you know okay. what I'm saying, and hey, the whole bit, we'll, we'll be talking with Greg Ricosi of the University of Miami and the former Cleveland Brown, right after these messages, we'll be right back with more, more Sports Info UM. flagship station for sports voice america sports sports and medicine go hand in hand quite simply if you aren't up to your game health-wise you won't be up to your game on the field that's where bruce the sports doc comes in dr bruce grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, we got Greg Ricosi on the line. Greg is a former University of Miami Hurricane. And Greg also was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in 1987. Greg, how did you feel on that on that special day, draft day? I tell you, it wasn't as big as it was nowadays. I tell you, um, being considered for either the first or second round at the time, you weren't like uh, – flown to New York and made a big to-da, it was still a big deal, but honestly, I was at 36C on Dickinson Drive, the athletic dorm, University of Miami, watched it on TV. So it was oh, kind of interesting, because uh, right, right uh, two picks before, I got a call from Marty Schottenheimer, who said, Greg, if you're still around on our next pick, we're going to pick you up, and you're going to be a Cleveland Brown. So I sat through two picks, no one picked me, and then sure enough, Saw it on TV that was uh, selected by the Cleveland Browns. Wow, wow! Yeah, and how and you went there. Bernie Kosar had he was there the year before. He was only uh, his second year when you got there, right? Yeah, he was uh, taking that supplemental draft. So, uh, yeah, he had the uh, what was it? The loss in the AFC Championship game his rookie year, right? Yeah. yeah. So then I came in the second. So it was. Uh, it was a, some some familiar faces, of course, and a lot of pressure. And that was the year of the strike too, where right. we um, fought for free agency. So I only, I think, my rookie year, we got ten games in. Right. Hey, um, hey, Greg, we got Coach Gordon Roberts on the line with us. Um, Gordon, tell Greg hello. Hey, Greg. Greg, oh, it's always good to hear from you. Was your uh, position coach at Miami Tony Wise? Yes, it was. Um, Best coach I ever had, and when I'm coaching kids right now, uh, he was a coach of encouragement and always wanted to compliment you, tell you the things you did. Started out with three things you did well, and then he hit you with the bad stuff. And Tony Wise was one of the, um, really the best who made a great impression on me um, while I was there. Fantastic coach. Jimmy Johnson said he was the best position coach he ever had, but he was the worst recruiter he ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was. I tell you, he was a, a hell of a coach. Um, him and um, our Kehoe uh, teamed yeah. up my last uh, two years there. And it was a great experience. They moved me from offensive tackle to center. Um, great choice. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was one of those kind of characters that uh, would talk uh, football with you anytime for hours on end. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of excitement in him. It, it was, it was uh, hard keeping up with him the first spring practice that we had. <laughs> and then he followed Jimmy to my uh, Dallas. Yeah, I know. That was like a reunion when we played them uh, after, well, I don't think, I think the big trade went through with uh, Herschel Walker my second year or third year. I can't recall exactly. But um, they were one in, what were they, one in 15 that first year Jimmy right. took over with all those trades. Yeah, we were one of the 15 losses. So when they played up in Cleveland, but I got a chance to see a lot of those coaches and everything when uh, we played that game. That was, you know, a lot of them moved over there, and it was a great team. I think Alfredo Roberts as well. Right, Coach yeah. Brodsky was out there, a bunch of them. Yeah, a bunch of them. Um, Coach Alexander was there. <coughs> yep. Yeah. Coach Jack. Um, yeah. Greg Schiano, he left with uh, with Jimmy and went there. Yeah. Man, what a career so, it was. It was a lot of those guys out there, Greg. You know, yeah. um, in that NFL draft, that 87 draft, the first round, um, you were actually the 32nd player taken in the in the draft. 
Uh, Vinny was uh, the first player taken in that NFL draft. Yeah, I think I was like the sixth hurricane or something. I can't recall. It was, they had the, it was Vinny, Jerome Brown, Alonzo Highsmith, Winston Moss. Uh, who else? Anyone else that go on? Uh, Alonzo Highsmith was, um, he was the uh, third player selected in that draft. Uh, Jerome was the ninth player selected in that draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Winston Moss, uh, he, he he ended up. Um, Did he go after uh, me? Winston went went after you. Oh, yeah, he was you, second in the Tampa Bay, wasn't he? Yeah, he went to Tampa Bay in the in the, uh, in the second round. And he's still co- he's coaching the NFL now, right? Yeah, and, and Winston is actually co- coaching with the uh, Green Bay Packers. Ah, yeah, underneath yeah. Alonzo. <laughs> Alonzo is, uh, from what I understand, he's uh, Alonzo Highsmith is a scout with the Green Bay Packers, and Winston uh, is uh, like an assistant, assistant coach, assistant head coach, or something of that capacity. Yeah, he's going to be uh, he's going to be building a team pretty soon, just like Elway is right now. Hey, you never know; it's a possibility. You, you yeah, never know. Know him again? Yeah, that, that would be nice. Hey, um, you know, um. In that in that NFL draft, I was actually selected in that draft too, Greg. Eleventh round. Yeah. I was way down there. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, Paul O'Connor was. I Paul O'Connor was in that NFL draft too. He was. Uh, I think Carl was the fifth round. Yeah, I think so. And how many rounds did they have back then? Twelve. They had yeah. twelve rounds. Right. Yeah, Paul O'Connor was. Um, he was a uh, 140th player selected in the in the fifth round. Yeah. So that wow. Matter. Yeah. No, Greg, it doesn't really matter where you're drafted. I'll tell you what. Um, we had uh, Frank Winters was a offensive center drafted in the tenth round out of uh, Western Illinois, and he was a center. I always thought he was a really good center coming out of the tenth round pick, and he had long snapped. And that was the time during the Plan B years. So as soon as his first year was up, the Plan B started, and he went from one team to another, collecting that big little pay- that big paycheck, not big little. And uh, right. he floated around for five years doing long snapping, and then all of a sudden he landed in Green Bay. Seventeen year career later, snapping for Brett Favre for ten years, and in his career making three million dollars a year. So, and he used to call me Big Paper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Earlier, we were talking about the franchise tag, right? You know, and uh, when you moved from uh, Green Bay to uh, the Patriots, was that a move you wanted to make, or was it one of those kind of things that that was the best option for you? That was um, really wasn't a choice that I actually made on my fourth year in Cleveland. Um, Coach Bilicek was hired to take over the team, and when you're coming off of a, a four and twelve season, even though you're a starter, everyone's job's in serious jeopardy. And he had his own um, ideas of moving the team forward, and he brought in a couple other guys, drafted a kid out of uh, Auburn, and kind of inserted him in the offensive line. So I didn't have a place, and I was released. And during the waiver rot wire, I was picked up by the Patriots. Uh, within 24 hours, so that was a nice little move. So that's how I ended up in in New England. But it was big a big change. Big change. Yes, big change. 
that's it's um, odd when, when you're put in that situation as a former player and you're under contract. You have a chance, or and you're a vested veteran. You have an opportunity to bypass the team that selects you. But um, with me and my situation, I would rather go to a team that really wants me and wanted to select me during that time and go to that team than risk uh, an opportunity where I heard that the Redskins wanted to pick me up if I wanted to wait because at that time they were a good football team and always in the uh, hunt for the Super Bowl. So I would have had to wait. But I went for the true thing, and it was a good choice, and I enjoyed my time up in New England. Now, was that because you were up from that area at one time in your life? Uh, no, the only I was um, I was a South Jersey born and raised, so the Northeast was uh, just a, a chance and an opportunity to play up in the Northeast, and I loved the Boston area, so that was basically it. Kind of sold me on everything, although the football team wasn't the greatest at the time. Now, it sounds like Belichick was was following you around. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tell you, he wears that. Uh, I tell my kids I have a hoodie that I wear with my number 71 on it. I was with the Patriots, and my sleeves are cut off. And I tell my kids, I did that first. Belichick copied that hoodie and the cut-off sleeves from me. <laughs> I still have it hanging up in my closet. Uh, well, yeah, I wish I could still wear some of those. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah. I don't think that uh, Belichick is, is going to steal that fashion statement from you, Greg. I think you got it. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he, at the, I think Cleveland was a stepping stone because he really didn't get along with everybody. The press kind of, I don't know what run him out of town, but I don't know what he lasted two years in Cleveland. And then he ended up going from New York and then from New York, I guess he got traded over to New England. Yeah. So he's made some good choices for himself as well. Yeah. Well, you know, he's turned out to be a great coach, too, though, uh, Greg. I think he's almost, he put himself in the class by himself. You know, I think some of the bad things that have followed him with with the inflate gate and the spy gate, um, uh, I don't think that's actually defined him as, as a great coach, that the great coach that he is. Right. I don't think he'll have any problems getting into the Hall of Fame. No, no. And, and he deserves it. it Oh, you know, absolutely. He's, he's not my favorite kind of a coach, but he's he's a good one. Yeah, he um there's a lot of coaches out there that there's coaches that coach in, from fear, you know, everyone's like you better do your job and, and and then they buy into the system. And then there's you know, there's others that's we are family and you know, everyone has their different way of coaching and all of them work if you kind of spin it the right way. So, right. it it's it's all about trying to get them to buy into your system. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I guess this has been, uh, pretty dominantly, uh, proficient. Uh, I, I'm kind of like, uh, the guy that doesn't, I would love to see a kid play for me, not because he's afraid of me. Uh, yeah. I just, um, I didn't quite understand the, um, when, you know, the coaches and, and how they had, if they had any power, because back 20, 25 years ago, when I was playing the players, most of the players made more than the coaches. But now the coaches are kind of catching up to how much the players make. Well, not the coaches, but the head coaches. So um, they have a little bit more power and a little bit more say in the decisions and everything like that. But it more so was, uh, you know, the GM making the decisions with a little bit of help by the head coach. 
a lot of these players were making a lot more than the coaches. Well, one thing that amazes me now, Greg, is guys like Tony Wise didn't make, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson made pretty good money, but uh, Tony didn't make a whole lot more than me, and I was a head coach of a little south part of uh, Florida at Moorhaven, but uh, Tony's salary wasn't huge. I know it grew a bunch when he went to Dallas, but uh, when he right. was working for Jimmy at Miami, it was, uh, I think he made like uh, 45 or 50, and uh, that wasn't huge money. Nowadays, uh, coordinators and uh, in the college ranks make uh, half million, million dollars sometimes. I, I was amazed at how many college coaches making over a million dollars. Yeah. And, I, I mean, you would expect that all 30, I think it was over 30 of them, and every one of them, you know, obviously can't be in the top 20. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's that's amazing in itself. But it, it trickles down, I guess. It's uh, Daryl and I have talked a lot about uh, how these colleges make so much money off these kids. Right. I don't know. What's your opinion on paying the kids? Or give them some kind of stipend to, you know, satisfy them outside of what they're paying for their education. Well, me and Daryl both feel like that it would only be fair for the kids to get part of that pie because they earn it. Yeah. Oh, Darryl, without a doubt. Right, when you went kids. up to Myrna on Friday and got 30 bucks <laughs> for the weekend, I was like, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, $38 we got? Yeah, I don't know, for, for the weekend because the meal hall was closed. We got some right. money. I was like... Wow, I said, this is great. Go to, Man, this you know, win Dixie, great? pick up a chicken, spend five <laughs> bucks, hold on to it, and then I can go out and have a few beers. Hey, I'm telling you. Hey, but you know, Greg, I'm, I, I think it's really a, an exploitation of these kids when we see them um, playing up to 16 games now, and we see two championship games where these colleges and universities are going to be making up to 16 to $20 million, each one of them, and make it to the top four, and here these kids get a, a pair of shoes, a warm-up suit, and $400? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and I'm, I, I would like to see them if they're, you know, some kind of tie-in that if you're on track to graduate within the time period you're expected to be there, you can continue to get some kind of payment as long as you're, you know, a standing student, you know, don't get in any trouble or anything like that. But if if you're way off target, you're not going to, you're just getting by, just passing the grade so you can play, then I kind of have a little reluctant to throw them some, some cash. Well, I think it should be a team team situation. If a, if a team makes it to a championship game, um, that team should be awarded an amount of money. I don't know what it should be. Uh, I think it should possibly be a percentage of whatever the, the university is going to be getting for that bowl game. If the university is going to get $8 million, uh, maybe the team should split up 300000 um and and let's go from there. Yeah, that may I, sound outrageous, but I don't know. we got to start somewhere. I, I hear what you're saying. Coach, I have one, one question for you. and um, I, I know that, uh, you know, Everyone wants to go to Oregon because the uniforms, everyone looks so cool. And, you know, there's these um, sport groups, uh, Adidas, Nike, you know, um, Reebok, whatever, throwing money at the universities or athletic departments. Or how does that actually work? I was just curious. Is, do the, is it the athletic department that signs the deal? No. No? no. Okay. 
it's dependent on the coach and how uh, how he manipulates. You know, the AD is going to have some input, but now, like with uh, Oregon, back in the day, uh, Daryl actually tried to get one of our players out there when uh, Erickson went out there. Remember Daryl? Yeah. And uh, they they treated him pretty well, but. Uh, uh, it's one of those kind of things where uh, you you do your own little deal, and most of those uh, big time coaches, like you said, the ones that are getting millions of dollars now, uh, you know whether it's uh, you know whoever, whatever athletic program, either shoe company or uh, uh, a uniform company, they they want that uniform to be a projection of who they are. So when Oregon has a, I guess they have a uniform for every game. It doesn't ever seem like they're the same one. Uh, it's got to be costing a ton of money. Exactly. I just Googled, uh, you know, you might, University of Miami, Miami Hurricanes with, uh, the other day, yesterday, just to see what's happened. The first thing came up was an Adidas deal, and they're letting out what the uniform's going to look up in the upcoming season. I was like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And, and you're saying Miami can be leaving Nike field. going to Adidas? That's what I read on um, that little clip. It's like Adidas to get a glimpse of, uh, I don't know if it was a headline, a kick headline, whatever. But uh, it's basically Adidas to get a glimpse of the Miami uniform. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we've had... Uh, we've had uh, Nike since we were there in 1987. I, I guess when I got there in 1983, uh, 82, we had uh, Nike. And I've never known us to wear anything different. That would be quite a, a change to think that Miami would be leaving uh, Nike going to Adidas. But I'm sure it's all about the money, Greg. Um, yeah. Adidas is offering them more money, so that's why they're leaving, leaving uh, Nike. It is all about the money. And then you have these schools that are going out and signing their own TV deal. You know, they're making a lot of money there. And where are the kids uh, benefiting from it? All they're doing is practicing just as hard. Um, They're going to class, and hopefully they're going to graduate and get a degree. But, um, you know, and I've said this a few times on this show, Greg. If if you took um, the University of Tennessee and the Tennessee Titans, who do you think is going to make more money this year, the Titans or the University of Tennessee football team? Oh, God. I don't know. I think the t- in Tennessee, and they haven't been good at too many years, they're packing in 105000 a game, aren't they? Exactly. Yep. And they're going to make more money than the Titans are. And But when you look at it, if you just took the if you took two of the top players, three of the top players from uh, the Titans team and took their salary of maybe $7 million a piece, you'd be able to pay for everybody's scholarship on University of Tennessee's football team for how many years? So wow. that's a lot of money that these teams are making off yep. of um, off of these kids, and they're not spending a lot. They make it seems as though they're spending a lot of money. Hey guys, we'll be right back with more Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio with Greg Ricosi. flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoun3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. we got Greg Ricosi on the line. Greg was a... 32nd player selected in the 1987 draft. Hey, um, Greg, you know, someone texted me and said that they think guys should be, it should be a play for performance type basis. And I, and I disagree because I really think that that third string guard that's down there, that's down there working on a scout team or that second string defensive tackle that's possibly working on the offensive scout team, those guys make the team just as much as the guys that are starting. And, and, I, and I'm telling you, I mean, you, when you think about it, Russell Maryland was, a, was, a, was on a scout team at one point at the University of Miami. And that guy practiced hard as heck every day, and he was a third-string tackle. And he really made us better every day. I remember when he got uh, when he was recruited, and uh, Mike Sullivan from the Chicago area came down with him, and Mike played uh, in the NFL with the coach over in I think Dallas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Mike uh, and uh, Russell they busted their ass. They came down early. Back then, it was kind of odd to have someone come down early for or prior to the August because they didn't allow for summer school for freshmen. And Russell and Mike, you know, came down early on a. Uh, before in the summer really worked their butts off as freshmen and um, obviously it made a huge impact on their career but um, yeah I don't think it should be a pay for play 
Uh, I think if you're part of the team, uh, whatever the team gets paid, it, it is a team. It's a, you can't really kind of say that this guy gets more than the other guy on the team level. The thing that uh, concerns me when you're paying, what happens to those or how do you um, provide any kind of money towards players on teams that are, you know, from, you know, let's see some schools that aren't going to be making that top dial, dollar, um, Texas El Paso or, you know, North Texas State, you have Jacksonville State or some school that isn't one of those big top, you know, tier teams, how are they going to get there if you don't compensate them the same as those big teams? But it's like that with uh, everything, Greg. You think about it, if a, a kid goes to Division two school or one AA school, uh, he knows he's never going to go to a big bowl game. He knows he's not going to be on TV. Uh, I think that's not apples with apples. I, I think what happens is, like Daryl was saying earlier, these schools, and, and we've talked about it, these schools that make millions of dollars, then they're making it off a product that's being produced by these athletes. And uh, those athletes, of course, some of them make it in the NFL. Uh, most of them don't. But uh, uh, it seems to me that if they're, if they're going to be asked to play 14, 15 games a year, uh, they need to be compensated some kind of way. Yeah, I agree that being compensated, I would not disagree with that. And then you start talking how much and how often. You know, yeah. and, and Greg, when we look at situations like um, Ohio State where – these kids were giving away jerseys to get tattoos or even selling their jerseys or selling their championship rings online. Um, these kids were actually thrown out of college for doing things like that. You know, yeah. now that's making it extra hard for the athlete to, to, make, to make money off of something that he literally has earned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's and, and, and trust me, uh, I don't think it's a player on the University of Miami's football team that has an opportunity to go out and make money. And if he went out and signed autographs, that's illegal, so he can't make money doing that. Yeah. And, and, and here, here's another situation where the universities and the NCAA is making it hard for the athlete to go out and, and, and make an honest living or make, or make money. Uh, and, and at the same time, Greg, if if a violinist is on scholarship to play violin, he can go or she can go to anywhere and and perform and make money. Oh. But that same oh, athlete can't that sign his autograph and make money. Yeah, that's true. Is it a rule where if you're under scholarship as far as an athlete, you're not allowed to get a summer job or any other kind of job? I think That's, they just passed a law now that you can get a summer job, but but you and I both know. Um, do we really have time to work? If if come on, yeah, you really don't. Right, you really you really don't. You know, I, I'm sure if you if you had the University of Alabama, yeah, you could work at McDonald's. Right, come on. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's just not a just not a good fit. But I I really think something has to change, and I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, I was just um. I was I was read an article a while back where I think it was on Jacksonville University. They it cost them um I think it was seventeen thousand dollars to open a gym 
for a uh, for a basketball game, and I think they said they had maybe three hundred people at the game. You know, and that's just one example of a college. Now, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of colleges in America where these other sports, like gym, gymnastics and basketball and tennis, they they literally have no one at their at no one to watch the performances, and no one literally to financially support those uh, sports. So football supports a lot of other sports. We know that, yeah. but should it? Should this be on the backs of of these young men that these young men that play a sport that when they leave college um, they're they're banged up just as bad as some of these guys when they leave the pros? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. So I think they got to work out some kind of way that um that uh, the college guys uh, should be um, get some kind of payment for for playing. It's and especially when we look at it now where they're starting to talk about, well, we had two championship games this year, but they really want to start, where they want to have an eight-team series where they would actually have four games. And you know, Daryl, that would grow to 16. <laughs> yeah. You know. and, I'm saying, and where does it stop? And, and, you know, come on. You know, now you're playing as many games as as the NFL play. Yeah. Hey, Greg, we're running out of time, man. I just want to ask you one more question before you go. Um, you know, we played at the University of Miami when when we really can actually call it the glory days. I mean, you know, we had Kenny Calhoun on a couple of weeks ago. He talked about um, that tip pass for the very first national championship that got the whole ball rolling with all of these national championships five national championships at the University of Miami. And when we look at the state of the University of Miami right now, man, it's just, you know, it, it, it'd be a miracle if we won a national championship this year. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. What, how do you feel about what you're seeing, the product that we're putting on the field right now? Um, I don't know. It's, it seems like they, they don't have that big-time player on both sides of the ball, at least um, – Defensive line wise, it, lately in the last few years, we haven't had a dominant defensive line front that can actually, um, you know, stop the run. And you had Perryman that was making every tackle from, you know, east, west, north, south, everything running as far as he could. But as soon as you know, someone got on top of him, they'd gas us for a big one. And, you know, we had those dominant. You had Cortez Kennedy, you had Jerome Brown, Derwin Jones. You had some, and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a ton of other players, but they had some big boys back then that could stop Russell Maryland, you know, that could stop the run. And um, I, I think we starts on defense and, and it starts with an attitude. And, and we just haven't had that or haven't had a, a powerful attitude on the field and a presence. Um, I'm impressed with the way the offense um, played last year for the most part with a young quarterback. I just wish they gave him the ball a little bit more, especially that Florida State game. I think we could have t- took that game if they let the kid play in the second half. But, you know, that's just an uh, armchair quarterback. But I, I think it comes with an attitude first, and we need to bring back that attitude. Yeah, you know, Greg, um, I don't know. When, when we look at the, at the NFL draft, and we've talked about that tonight, um, we're going to probably see uh, quite a few Hurricanes go in the NFL draft. Yeah. And and when we look at at the players that have come from our team in the last few years that are playing in the NFL, um, 
I just don't. Uh, it, it makes you wonder. Um, we have the talent down there. Are we getting what we should be getting out of the talent we have down there? I don't know what's going on, but um, it just doesn't seem as though our teams are being maximized. Yeah, yeah, we could have definitely ended the year with was it three or four losses was um, that kind of hurt because it looks like we took the win out of sales, and I don't want to say give up, but um, the effort. I don't know that Pittsburgh game just that eats me, you know, irks me. Out of all those games out there, was that Pittsburgh game that that was um, disappointing. Oh man, <laughs> and and I guess that's what you're talking about about attitude. Yeah, I think we 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 see a lack of uh, of attitude. You know, um, it's it's almost like um, some of those. Um, Blitz pickup drill. It's all about an attitude, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. a goal line and short yardage. You know, it's it's about an attitude, and I, and I and I don't see a lot of that from um, from these teams from the univer- at the University of Miami in the last few years. We gotta get back. Yeah. Well, and how much longer is it gonna take? You know. Yeah. Uh, as long as it takes, I'll still be there rooting for him. Hey, we're going to be there, and I, and I yep. agree with you, you know, because it runs strong. Hey, Greg, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we're giving you the last minute. You got to um, give us a shout-out to whoever you want to give a shout-out to or whatever. You you got the floor, my brother. Hey, I just wanted to say, Coach, appreciate you being on with me. Good talking with you, and Daryl, thanks for having me on. And, you know, Daryl, you start feeling old when players that you played with our, you know, sons are actually playing for the team. And, and you know, Mike, a uh, friend that I, Matt Patchen, he was an offensive tackle, uh, drafted with the Eagles um, in 88 for in the third round with Buddy Ryan. Um, and Matt's son, Scott Patchen, is going to be a, a freshman at the University of Miami. So I'll have a little extra interest in seeing how his son does. And all I can say wow. is hey, well. I'll tell you this. Um, I also played with Matt, and we'll have Matt on the show and have him talk about his son going to University of Miami and, and that whole experience. You know, Kenny Berry, one of our former teammates, his son plays at the University of Miami. And Willie Smith, one of our former teammates, his son is a, uh, is a sophomore at the University of Miami on a full academic scholarship. Oh, oh this good for him. Super smart. Woo! That hey, Eric great. Dillon, if you're listening, hey, keep up the good work, boy. We appreciate you. Hey, Greg, I, I appreciate you, man. Thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, if there's anything I can ever do, you know you can always holler at me, call on me. Hey, thank you. Take care, yep. guys. Hey, Coach. Yes, sir. It's been a great show, another good show. Um, really appreciate everything. All right, buddy. That was good talking. Oh, yeah. And Greg is a great guy. He really is. Yep. Hey, we'll be back next week with more Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.